Hopefully all of you picked up a handout on the way in. It's an outline of what we'll be covering tonight. If you're not familiar with Sunday nights, I have a few visitors or some folks who have made a New Year's resolution to start attending Sunday p.m. services. Uh, We tend to get a little more textual on Sunday evenings. Pick a, for years we did just a book of the Bible and went into it in detail. And uh, lately we've been doing more of a topical uh, study, but staying in the text a lot more than we do on Sunday mornings. Uh, So that's what we're doing this uh, year is a series called Training with the Twelve. And we'll stay in the, the Bible quite a bit. If you picked your handout up, you've been here long enough, you wonder what color that is. Somebody said it was orange. Not orange, it's training tangerine. And we uh, keep track of things that way, and we've had a number of good ones and bad ones over the years. Uh, some of them are easier to do than others. Uh, Back when we were doing just books, it was easy. Romans Raspberry was easy. Galatians Gold and things like that. But uh, some were a little tougher. But uh, this is Training Tangerine, and hopefully we'll learn something about training with the Twelve. All right, turn your minds to kind of a hard thing to imagine here. Uh, what if you were one of Jesus' closest friends? Just imagine traveling with him. That's what the apostles did. They were his friends. They followed him. They were his disciples. And they spent 24-7 with him. Imagine that. Imagine sitting around the campfire with him at night after he had been in the the city battling with the Pharisees or something. Uh, Of course, Jesus selected them to train. He had a job for them. Uh, He needed them to start the church. He wasn't going to be around long. Uh, He was setting the stage for the kingdom to come, and he was going to let them introduce it after he went back to heaven. So he had to train them for that, had to get them ready for that. And as we'll learn in the next few weeks, they were nothing if not ordinary men uh, to handle such a huge job. Uh, He didn't have very long to do it either. He only had a couple of years, really. I said less than three in your handout here, but it was probably quite a bit less than three, probably closer to two. Uh, Nobody knows exactly the time frame of Jesus' ministry. I think it was probably closer to four years than three. Uh, But even then, he didn't pick the twelve. He didn't identify the twelve until about halfway through his earthly ministry. So he had probably around two years to travel with them and teach them and let them watch him and see him in action. Uh, As I thought of that two years and the training that went on, I I thought that'd be kind of like a two-year family camp. Uh, We we go off to family camp for two or three days, and we, we study together, we talk about a topic, we discuss it when we've got free time. Yeah, we play a little in between, and I don't know how much the apostles played. We're not told much about that. But they spent all that time talking about things of the kingdom, uh, following Jesus, uh, him right there by their side. 
for two years. Now, when you, if you can imagine that, if you can think about that, you probably your first thought is kind of like mine, is, boy, I, I would really be something if I did that. You know, I'd have it figured out. I would, I would ask him all the questions I wanted to know, and I would be prepared, and I'd, I'd understand what he was teaching, and, uh, boy, I'd be an outstanding disciple. Would you really? As you see, the twelve didn't do so good sometimes. The twelve had that opportunity, and they didn't figure it out sometimes. And we're going to see lots of examples as we go through where they were a little bit hard-headed, if you will. Um, Maybe we'd have been great disciples if we had that experience, but we didn't have that experience. Now, we've got something pretty close to it. We've got recorded from four different viewpoints uh, what went on in those couple of years. We've got recorded from four different people what Jesus talked about, what the apostles, how they responded, how they reacted to him, how he reacted to them, how they followed his promises and sometimes didn't. Uh, Whether we have that firsthand experience, uh, we've got a chance to sit by the campfire. And that's kind of what we want to do this this year uh, on Sunday evenings is we'll come together every Sunday night at, at 6 and we'll pick a different, well, not every week because some will take us longer, but we'll pick a, a topic, uh, not an event. We're not going to do it chronologically because he jumped back and forth on his teaching. But we'll pick a topic uh, that he taught them, that he trained them in. And we'll look through all the scriptures where he commented on that or they commented on it or something came up in, uh, with dealing with the crowd. Taught them something about that. And we'll see if we can uh, learn to ask some of the questions that they ask and hopefully some new ones and uh, sit around the campfire and ask Rabbi, what did that mean? Because they had to ask that sometimes. Well, let's turn it over to Matthew 16. Those of you unfamiliar with Sunday nights, we have a little higher standards for those who attend on Sunday nights. You should be able to find Matthew 16 in your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, there's one in front of you. We are going to spend quite a bit of time in textual studies, and I, on, on some of them, if I want to emphasize the total comments through a bunch of books, I might... Uh, print them out on your handout for you so they're closer together. But most of the time we'll be able to find a good passage uh, like this one is found in Matthew 16. And it's also over in Mark 8. Uh, but it's almost identical, almost exactly the same story. So let's look at it from Matthew 16 and see if we can just get a feel for how this might work this year. All right. Um, now imagine yourself traveling with Jesus. In fact, I'm going to say a little later that I want us to think about being apostle number 13. So you're, you're with them here. All right, Matthew 16, verse 1 starts. Uh, and this is at one of the heights of Jesus' popularity. Jesus got popular, and then he kind of fell out of favor, and then he got popular again, and 
depending on what he did and what he said. So uh, we're up and down a little bit. But right now we're at a high. Everybody wants to see Jesus. Everybody wants to follow him. Everybody wants the free meal. Everybody wants the healings. Okay. So 16 starts. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking them, him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. You're a wicked and adulterous generation looking for a miraculous sign. But none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. Now, there's a little incident where Jesus dealt with some people, Pharisees and Sadducees. Sometimes he'd engage in battle with them, if you verbal battle. Sometimes he'd chew them out pretty good. And sometimes he's just downright rude to them. Here he was kind of rude. He said, you can interpret weather signs and tell what it's going to be like tomorrow because of the color of the sky, but you can't look at what's going on. And know what's happening in this world? I'm not going to give you any sign. Gone. So they went and got in the boat and went across the lake. The disciples forgot to take bread. I don't know who was in charge of groceries. But whichever one of the twelve blew it. He didn't go shopping. And so they get in the boat and they're headed to where they're supposed to go. They got no bread. All right, you're the 13th apostle. You're sitting on the back of the boat with the other 12. Jesus is up front, taking it easy. And one of you brings up, hey, we didn't bring any bread. What are we going to do when we get over there? We forgot to go shopping. And in the middle of this discussion, Jesus says, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I assume that Jesus sat around and thought a lot. I don't think he just was a chatterbox and kept babbling all the time like some folks I know. I think he probably was kind of thoughtful. And after he had traveled a little ways and thought a little while, he says, Hey, guys, you watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's all he says. I'll sit back there with you along, number 13. All right, he figured it out. He knows we didn't bring any bread. He knows we didn't bring any bread. And he's telling us, when we get to land, don't buy any bread from the Pharisees or the Sadducees. There's something wrong with their bread. He can hear them talking back there. So aware of their discussion, Jesus, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having? Don't you understand? In summary, don't you remember the last few days I've been feeding people with not much. Five loaves fed thousands. Seven loaves fed four thousand. How many baskets did you get back? 
I mean, he's pouring it on them here. How many baskets of bread did you pick up when we started with five loaves? And you're worried about not having any bread? And then he repeats, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, just in that one little story, what was Jesus training them about? Now, and uh, we'll put it in a, a bigger context when we when we get to that passage, and uh, sometime middle of the year or so we'll get around to that one. But there's a little piece where we'll take that kind of thing with other places where he taught them about it and see if we can figure out what he was talking about, how, what he was training them about. Okay, we'll come back to that passage in just a little while. But let me tell you where this came from, and some of you who are heavy readers might want to uh, buy the book. I don't know. Uh, the main book that inspired this series is called The Training of the Twelve. Like I did a class on it a decade or two ago. Uh, it's by a guy named Alexander Ballman Bruce, and he is just as Scottish as his name is lived back in the 1800s, and uh, taught at the Free Church College in Glasgow. Uh, he was a preacher for many years and then went to be a professor. Um, I thought when I was reading or reading through the foreword this afternoon, thinking about it, he might have known the Campbells before they came to America. Uh, quite possible as close as things were there in Scotland. Uh, anyhow, he wrote this back in 1871, and in 1979, not too many years ago, a group of men decided we ought to republish some of the Christian classics, some of the great books that were written through the years that are out of print now and hard to get and all that. And one of the first ones they picked was The Training of the Twelve. Uh, it's widely considered to be a, a Christian classic, if you will, uh, because of Bruce's research and reasoning and the way he writes about things. Uh, very interesting book. Now, it's not light reading. It's not fun and quick, but uh, pretty heavy stuff. But he goes through lots of topics like we're going to, and then a little, we're not going to follow his order. We're going to pick our own, but uh, that's kind of what inspired Part of this, and then the next few weeks, I'll use some material out of John MacArthur's book, Twelve Ordinary Men, uh, because we got to meet the twelve first. We've got to kind of understand them to know who those guys were back there arguing about not buying bread, because uh, they're kind of a special group and will help us understand ourselves, perhaps. Uh, the goals of this study I put down, uh, first, we want to learn enough about the apostles uh, to know... Who was being trained? Uh, we're not just a, we don't want you to memorize details about Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and all that. You don't even have to learn all twelve of their names if you don't have to, or don't want to. Uh, but who they are, and their backgrounds, and where they came from, and all that. Uh, want to be sure that we learn enough of that to. Uh, know who was being trained, and some of their problems, probably, once we understand them. Uh, 
then we want to study what Jesus taught them. And to me, this is important, not maybe that we figure every detail of it out, but we know what he talked about. Because my assumption is that if you got 12 guys and you only got two years to prepare them to start the kingdom and run the kingdom, you will probably talk about the most important things. And you will probably talk about things that are very necessary for starting and running the kingdom. That's my guess. Uh, I, I guess that or think that because uh, I've had a few interns over the past few years around here. We, uh, we'd get an intern from a preaching college, and some of you were here when we did that, and they worked with us for a year. Well, they kind of followed me around, not 24-7, uh, but they followed me around when we were at work or uh, when we went to a funeral or went to the hospital or did something like that. And as I told them things and tried to teach them things and tried to train them about being a pulpit minister, I kind of focused on the most important stuff. Yeah, and a lot of things I didn't bother them with. Uh, they can figure that out. But we only got so much time, so let's talk about really important things. And let's talk about the things that are really, really necessary to doing what you have to do. So I think if we understand what he taught them, and a big part of that is what he didn't talk about, we'll find out what's important. There's a whole lot of things we get all exercised about Jesus didn't even mention. He didn't bring it up. He didn't tell them to worry about that. He trained them in the important things, the necessary things. And then, finally, if we really get good at this, we'll be able to think at the same time, uh, what do I do with this? What if I was there? What if I was number 13? And what question would I have asked? Go back to our example. Go back to Matthew 16. If you were in the boat, really, what would you have thought about that? You know, you just watched him get mad, if you will, at the Pharisees. In Mark's account, it says when they asked him that, he sighed very deeply. Oh, you Pharisees. How could you ask me something? I'm not going to give you a sign. Yeah, they just watched that. And they get in the boat with him, and he sits up there thinking, and pretty soon he says, you beware of their leaven. Yeah, what's he trying to teach them here? What would you have asked about that? So, so that's where we want to get is thinking about what we would do with it. I don't know how much the 12 understood what they were going to have to do. Yeah, I mean, after because. His death shook them up. They weren't ready for that. Uh, they didn't understand it. I mean, they all scattered and into hiding. But after he came back, and I'm sure they talked a little bit more about things, uh, but after a few months or so in Jerusalem, they, they went everywhere. Okay. Philip went one place. Matthew went another. Peter went another. Peter ended up in Rome and... Probably got crucified. 
you got, you're number 13, you got sent to Kansas in 2015. Yeah, so what are you supposed to do with this stuff? If he's training us and we're learning from him, what are we supposed to do with this stuff? I mean, just keep going through that thought. Are, are there anybody, is there anybody today that wants signs and fun and food? Anybody after that these days in our world? Are there any religious people that sell poisoned bread? What was the Pharisee's poisoned bread? What was he trying to tell them? I'll summarize it for you real quick. We'll get into more details some month when we get there. The Pharisee's hang-up was they thought what you did outwardly, what you did for people to see, that was religion. That was their thing. They didn't understand who God was, what he wanted. They were a whole lot more hung up on how you worshipped and how you prayed and how you did this and how you did that instead of who. And what did Jesus say? That's poison bread. You got to beware of that. Yeah. So, so hopefully we can keep taking it down through till 2015 and learn a little bit out of this study. Okay, let's talk about the 12 just real, real briefly as we wrap up. Uh, first of all, I think it's important to understand how they got to be apostles. Sometimes we read the story or tell it in Sunday school that Jesus just took one afternoon and ran around and grabbed 12 guys. You fishermen, come with me. You, know, you tax collector, come with me. We're going to go fish for men. One way it worked. Uh, there were kind of three stages there. Uh, the stage one that I put down on your handout is that most of them uh, were believers in Jesus pretty early. And John talked to a lot. A lot of them were friends with John the Baptist. They talked to him. They figured out who Jesus was. And they'd show up occasionally and hang out with Jesus. Okay? They still had to work. You know, they still had to make a living, most of them. But when there was a Passover sometimes or a wedding feast or something like that, some of them would show up and be with Jesus for a while. Yeah. So just occasionally they'd get together with him. At some stage, and all of them were different, I think, but at some stage they kind of gave up their jobs and went and followed him all the time. And Jesus asked them to do that. He didn't tell them they were apostles. He just said, you come hang out with me full time. Now, they weren't the only 12 that did that. There were a whole bunch of people that hung out with Jesus all the time. and followed him around, especially when things were going good, like that story. And then at some point, and this is about the middle of his ministry probably, at some point he prayed to God. He said, all right, which, which 12 are going to be the 12? And he went down and told him, I've selected you to be my special messenger. Okay. You're on the team. I'm going to train you. You're going to start the church. 
So that, that took a while. It didn't just happen overnight. The other thing, we'll get in a big picture, and we'll learn this when we go through the apostles in a little more detail, but in the big picture is he made some really strange choices. Uh, people have written lots of things about this. I saw one uh, fictional account some guy wrote about somebody wanting to start a business and picking these 12 guys as his cabinet, his his board of directors, and it went through their qualifications and who they were and all that, and the consulting firm said, you ain't got a chance. You know, with this motley crew, you can't make it. Okay? Now, they were kind of a motley crew. Uh, a bunch of fishermen in the bunch. Uh, most of them were Galileans, and Galileans were looked down upon. Were, uh, they obviously talked funny. I don't know if they were the rednecks of that day or not, but people recognized them and said, oh, you're nothing but Galileans. So they were mostly Galileans. There was one, of course, the most striking is there was one tax collector and one zealot. Uh, Tax collectors worked for Rome. Everybody hated tax collectors. Zealots hated Rome and killed Romans when they could. So a zealot and a tax collector don't go together. Well, that's what he picked. So he made some really strange choices. And what he didn't pick tells us just as much. Uh, he didn't pick any scholars. He didn't pick any well-educated. I mean, uh, Matthew was probably fairly well-educated in some ways. Uh, he certainly didn't pick any religious leaders. Uh, he didn't pick anybody that was socially prominent. Uh, if we've started decided we were going to start a movement within the churches of Christ today, uh, who would we pick? Well, we'd pick some big names probably, some people that had some influence, people that were well-educated and all that. Jesus came in and was going to teach the Jews a whole new way. He picked a bunch of fishermen and Galileans and zealots and tax collectors and all kinds of characters. They made some strange choices. And then he had to train them. Okay, on the back, let's wrap up with that. I just gave you some info there. That's nothing but reference. Uh, some of it's kind of interesting. Well, all of it's interesting, of course, or I wouldn't put it on paper. But some of this is interesting to me. Uh, the first one, the, there's four places in the New Testament where the apostles are listed. And so I gave you those references. The interesting thing about it to me is they're always listed in three groups of four. Everybody that lists them lists Peter, Andrew, James, and John first, and then lists Philip and Bartholomew and Thomas and Matthew second, and then the third bunch is a little different order sometimes, and they use different names or nicknames, uh, but there's four guys in that group too. Okay, uh, And to me, that I may be assuming a bit much here, but... I guess I get to do that occasionally. I'm assuming that that's the way people that knew the Twelve kind of thought about them, that there was a group of Peter, Andrew, James, and John that were kind of the first bunch, the more important, and they were. You know, John ended up being the apostle that Jesus loved. They were in his, Peter, James, and John were in his special little group that he took on the mountain, and Peter was the most well-known and all that. 
Uh, I kind of think about it like if if I asked one of you teens here, I said, could, could you name the youth group for me? Tell me everybody in the youth group. You'd probably start thinking in little groups. You'd think, well, let's see. There's four seventh graders that hang out together and name them. And then, well, then there's those five girls that kind of hang out together and name them. I'm guessing you would do that. That's how you would remember it. I think that's how people looked at the 12. There there was a top group of four, and then there was a next most important group that probably hung out together a little bit more, had more in common or something. And then there was another four that were the last four you'd think of just because of their personalities or whatever. I don't know why, and I don't think it means a whole lot to us. It's just interesting that everybody that lists them, lists them in exactly the same grouping. Okay. Uh, And then the last thing I put down is all the names that I could find of these guys, because it's a little confusing some places, and you get to read uh, other places in the Bible, and you got these names, and you never heard that one before. Like, who's Lebius? Well, he was one of the apostles. It was a nickname or a second name for Judas. It was, excuse me, the son of James. Also called him Thaddeus. So there were guys with nicknames and second names and all of that. So I just put them down to help you interpret a bit. Uh, like Paul. When Paul's writing about Peter, he calls him Cephas all the time. Well, if you didn't know that, you might not know who Cephas is. But Cephas was a nickname. Uh, Simon was his name, and when he met Jesus, Jesus said, you're a rock. I'm going to call you the rock. And Cephas meant rock. Um, So anyhow, that's all the names and all the double names that I could find. Uh, No big uh, secrets in there. A couple of interesting things. Thomas was a twin, evidently. Also called him Didymus. Uh, Had a twin that we don't know anything about. James the Less, I always kind of feel sorry for him. Uh, my thought is that James of James and John, the son of thunder, he was kind of big James. This guy was kind of little James. Uh, they called him James the Less. I guess he put up with it. But, uh, <laughs> interesting dynamics, I'm sure, in these 12. Um, so hopefully that will help you figure out who's who Judas uh, they called him the man of Kerioth because he wasn't a Galilean. And uh, that's shortened down to Iscariot is his nickname or title. So Judas Iscariot was from a different place than the rest of them. All right. Um, we're going to take the next couple of weeks, and I don't know if it'll take us two, three, or four. It depends how detailed I get and how fast we go. Uh, I don't want to spend all year on it, but. Two to four weeks, we're going to go through the 12. Uh, Obviously, Peter will take a little longer than Lebius, but we're going (laughs) to tell you some things about the 12 so that we, like I said, understand them and understand some of their problems in getting along and understanding Jesus. Then after we understand who they are, have made pretty good friends with them, uh, we'll hit the road with them and uh, travel with Jesus the rest of the year. So hopefully this will be an interesting study for you. I'm looking forward to it and hope that you find it interesting enough to come back and bring your Bible next week.
lesson is yours. If you need to respond in any way tonight, we'd be happy to help you. I'll be here at the front to receive you. If you need to tell us something or ask for prayers of this family, we're here together to do that. Let's stand and sing. And if you need to come, come. <laughs>